Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. We are joined today by Ashley Sang, who consults with caring business owners so that they can grow their impact and their revenue. Through her business, Ashley Sang Consulting, she equips entrepreneurs to take confident, meaningful action in alignment with their values. She believes that business can feel and do good when it's rooted in values and propelled by purpose. And I am all about messaging and how it's so important, especially for introverts. So thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about your story, your business, and kind of how you got started in business. Yeah. So I'm definitely one of those accidental entrepreneurs. Like so many of us in the online space are. I have a background in international development, actually. I was living and working in Senegal in West Africa because that's where my husband is from. And that is where I learned all things communications. So internal communications, media relations, donor relations, board relations, and all the things, taking a really, really boring field report and translating that into a blog post that someone on the other side of the world might actually want to read. And I started freelancing on the side when my husband was applying for the green card. So you're based in Canada, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm I'm sure you can at least have an idea of how arduous the American immigration process is. So as we were going through that process, I thought, hmm, I should probably have something lined up because they don't tell you when you get to move, when you're going to get the green card. So I started freelancing and I kept freelancing even when we moved to the States. And I was working with a local Habitat for Humanity So still in the nonprofit sector and still doing communications and community outreach, but I kept freelancing because I loved the variety of it. I loved this idea of being able to work with so many different types of people and so many different types of businesses and organizations. And so I jumped into my business full-time at the beginning of 2019. And I haven't looked back. I'm pretty sure I would be a horrible employee by this point because I really love all things entrepreneurship. I love the freedom that comes with it, the exploration that comes with it, the flexibility and the ability to ask why and dig deeper. So my business has had lots of iterations since I took it full-time from my offerings to who I work with. But that common thread has always been sharing messages that matter, getting more good out into the world. And so that's sort of what has led me here today to working with conscious and caring business owners 
who want to show up with more confidence and take more meaningful action toward whatever it is that their vision is through their business and for their life. I love it. Yeah. We definitely need more good and positivity in the world. I feel like, and I had to laugh when you said you'd be a horrible employee now. Cause I'm like, yeah, I've been doing this for 16 years and I'm like, oh my gosh, I could, I could never go back to an office and work for somebody else. Like, yeah, it's just not in the cards. Yeah. I think you either have that entrepreneurship gene or not. And once you sort of ignite it, so many of us just cannot look back or maybe some of us have some sort of job as a stopgap to fill some skills or make a big chunk of income to be able to then pursue their dreams. But I feel like at, at the heart of it, you're either an entrepreneur or you're not. <laughs> so I'd love to get into brand values because I, I feel like this is so important and a lot of people don't really dig into and think about brand values. They just look at surface level values. They don't really dig very deep into what actually that means, what a brand value is. So I'd love to hear your thoughts around that. For me, brand values are the foundation of everything. They're what inform your messaging. They're what inform the types of people you're aiming to reach. Brand values are really the how of how you show up in the world. They're the how of your business. So brand values are the things that you want to stand for, the things you want to be known for, the overarching principles that guide every single decision from your partnerships to your pricing, to your audience, to your marketing platform, all the things are guided by these brand values. Yeah, it's so important. Like I I always felt like for the longest time, like, oh, I have brand values. I know what they are. They're in my head. But once I took the time to actually go deeper and actually sit with a blank Google Doc and really dig into it, I feel like that's what really changed everything in my business. And so many of us either skip over brand values entirely because they're like, eh, it's fine. Maybe I have a mission statement. Maybe I have an audience persona. Okay. I, I don't need brand values. Or maybe we do take the time to carve out some brand values, but then they just kind of live uh, maybe on your about page without any explanation or maybe in some Google doc, like on your hard drive and are just never revisited. But for me, it's all about living them out. It's all about establishing, okay, what are my brand values? What do I actually want to stand for? And in that way, that's how I'm going to be standing out. And then once you establish them, it's super important to define what they mean to you and your business. So I always like to give the example of transparency, right? So transparency could look like sharing photos of your kids or talking about your health journey or doing income reports, or it could be all kinds of different topics. And transparency itself doesn't manifest in any particular way. It's how you define it for your business in relationship to your audience. And then the third piece after you establish and define your brand values is really all about applying them, actually living out your brand values, because it's not enough to just sort of slap them on your website and say, this is what I stand for. You actually need to 
visibly be standing for them, actively living them out. We saw this so much, especially in 2020, when all these brands were coming out with statements about social issues and people see right through it, right? You can say that you care about something, but if you act differently, then people notice. So when you act in accordance with your values, you just build that trust so much more quickly. You have trust that is long lasting. You have people that are becoming advocates for your brand because they resonate with your values too. It really is the center of everything. That is so true. Yeah. I know one example I was thinking of as you were saying that was somebody that I followed in like the entrepreneur space where all over her website, business, content, marketing, messaging, it was all about authentic marketing. But then a lot of the stuff that I was getting and a lot of the messaging wasn't really, I wouldn't say authentic. It was a little slimy and like scarcity tactics and all of that stuff. And I was like, I don't know how you can say that your main brand value is this, but everything you're doing doesn't really align to that. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just that feeling, right? Our brand values are how we make people feel. It's how we feel about our business. It really is something that sometimes it's super overt. Like uh, if someone... I'm thinking of authenticity and I'm thinking of like a lip syncer. Like if you go to a concert and they say like, you're going to have a live concert and then you come to find out that they're lip syncing, like that's not authentic, right? (laughs) So sometimes it's very, very obvious. And sometimes it's just that feeling in your gut of like, ooh, this is not right. Or wow, this person really walks the walk and backs up everything that they're saying. So that's what I love is sometimes it's super duper obvious. And sometimes it really is that subtle build that brings all of that trust. And I love that because I feel like leading with your values is especially important. I feel like for introverts, because maybe we know what our brand values are, but we're scared to actually voice them. But I think if you're really secure with your brand, your messaging, your values, it's going to like help you clarify your messaging so much more, which I feel like, I mean, if you're an introvert and you have clarity over who you are, what your business is, what you stand for, what you want to achieve, that is just like so powerful. Yeah. It allows you to be so much more consistent. It allows you to be so much more confident and it allows you to be clear without having to be explicit or without having to be the loudest person in the room or the person on Instagram with the biggest following, right? Because it's felt in every single thing you do. So you're voicing quote unquote, you're voicing your values by living them out. It's the way that you craft your nurture emails. It's the pricing that you do. It's the summits that you show up to or not, right? It's all of the decisions together that make up your entire brand experience and the entire customer experience that is really important. It's not about saying as loud and as often as possible, I care about inclusivity. It's about showing it as consistently and confidently and clearly over time in everything that you do. That's so true. Yeah. I feel like one other example I can give that's probably familiar with a lot of listeners because 
I mean, I know my audience is used to me being in summits and hosting them. So one thing I've seen before, it's like, I mean, even for me, I'll say that I did this too. Like I really focused and started learning more about accessibility and how to make my content, my business more accessible. And one thing I had been doing for past summits is including the transcripts just in the all access pass. And I was like, this doesn't really align. Like I want to be accessible. Transcripts should not be hidden behind a VIP ticket where you have to pay for it. So I started including them in just the free ticket as a way to really be like, I realized this was an error. It didn't really align. Like I want to be more accessible. I want my brand to be accessible. So I'm changing this. And I'm really hoping that more summit hosts in particular, like start to do that. And yeah, that's just one example. And I think it's okay to like share that as like, it's a learning experience too. Yeah, that is such a beautiful and perfect example because we think of accessibility, we think of, all right, maybe that means lower prices, maybe that means transcripts, maybe it means subtitles. Like it's first of all, whatever accessible means to you and your audience. And then also that small, small tweak could be an entire blog post, right? It could be an entire podcast episode. It could be an entire piece of content that you lean into especially if something like transparency or like authenticity or something like that is another one of your brand values, you're able to share your business journey through the lens of your values. It's all sort of meta, right? Like it all builds on itself. So I love that example. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it's things like that. I then took that and then moved that into, okay, we need to start adding transcripts for the podcast. Like we're getting them done anyway. Why don't we share them on the website below the episode? So somebody can download the transcript instead of listening if they want. So yeah, just little tweaks like that. Like, And you'll see how it flows into other areas of your business and other things that you can do to help accomplish your brand values and what you want your business to look like. Yes, exactly. And it'll attract people who care about that. And it will repel people who don't. Like if you are constantly talking about accessibility and you have people in your sphere of influence who are like, accessibility, who would care about that? That's exactly who you want to be repelling, right? So it's sort of business savvy and really, really aligns with who you want to be as a person, a founder, a business owner, a brand at large. Yes, totally love that. Yeah, I I love this conversation. So I know that you said or you suggest getting rid of the word help in your copy. I'd love to share a little bit more about that. So unless being helpful, like the actual value of being helpful is part of your brand, most of the time help is this qualifier word that waters down your copy. So are you really helping people or are you equipping them? Are you facilitating something? Are you encouraging? Are you, what other sort of dynamic word are you doing? Are you working with someone? Are you collaborating with them? What is it that you are doing? How is your relationship built? Is your relationship built on help or is your relationship built on something else? So for me, I often use the word equipping because the things I do are at the strategy level and that then equips my clients to be able to implement, to be able to run with this, to be able to hire a copywriter, a designer, uh, a systems person who can take all of this 
brand messaging strategy, the what we do, why we do it, who we do it for, how we do it, and implement that across their entire brand experience. So for me, it's all about equipping them so that they're self-sufficient and efficient as well, so that they're able to really, really run with all of this high level conceptualization and put it into practice, take that confident, meaningful action. And then another example, so that's help in the sort of elevator pitch scenario of like, I help X person do Y thing. Almost always you can find a better word than help. But also a lot of times it waters down our impact when we say, I can help take you from 20 hours a week to 10 hours a week of work. Can't you just take them? Like I can take you from 20 hours a week to 10 hours a week, right? Like the help doesn't actually um, do anything to the, the sentence itself. So semantically, there's really no value in adding help. It just kind of clutters up a sentence. So in both scenarios, anytime you have the urge to write help, really reflect on, am I actively, actively helping? Or is there some sort of replacement that I can either use instead of the word help? Or can I just omit it entirely? That was a really good example. The difference in those two sentences, it was like, yeah, when you say I help, it really watered down the statement of getting you from 20 hours a week to 10 hours a week. (laughs) Yeah. Or whatever the transformation is, right? Like it's implied that you're helping, right? They know that you're there on the journey with them. So how can you just make it more dynamic, more direct, more concise? Often the less words, the better. I love that. Yeah, because we're so often taught about the I help statement, like the boilerplate. Like you said, like I help blank with blank without blank. Like It's just so generic at this point too. And I love that. I was thinking like, Mine could probably be because I'm focusing more on like my courses and digital products. It could even be like I teach Mm -hmm. or I support for my group programs (laughs) instead of I help. Yeah. I mean, teaching is so much more dynamic and specific. Like then I automatically know that you're either facilitating something live or you are selling something educational, like, right. Like that the word teaching is so much more specific and direct and specificity is an act of kindness in a lot of ways, right? Because there's so much noise on the internet. So the clearer we can be with the people we want to reach, the faster it is for them to know if they're in the right place or not. Yeah, that is, that is so true. So I'd love to get into marketing. I'd love to hear like for you and marketing your business? What are like your favorite marketing methods or ways that you kind of share your message and grow your business? So even as an introvert, honestly, it's been relationship building. That has been my favorite part of being a business owner is being able to talk to other business owners about their story, about their vision, whether it's peer-to-peer for the sake of having someone in the same boat or having a referral partner, or whether it is with my clients, it's such a privilege to get a peek behind the scenes of someone's business. I don't know if it's the anthropologist in me or if I'm just nosy or what it is, but I really, really love the relationship building aspect. And I have specifically this year, I've really leaned into strategic referral partners as a way to be able to serve people 
so much more broadly and deeply than what I could do on my own. Because I am a solopreneur. I do have a VA, but beyond that, I am a solopreneur. I do everything on my own. And so even if I could figure out, I don't know how to do their systems, or even if I did want to write their copy, or even if I could create a Canva graphic for them, it's so much better to be able to refer them to someone who is directly an expert in that. And then it spreads all of the business love, all of the money, because money makes the world go round. So the more of us making good money, doing good things, the better. So I really do find myself energized. As long as I don't have too, too many calls, um, I do find myself energized when I talk to founders, business owners doing amazing things who have all these ideas and struggles and backstories. It's, it's really validating and it's really comforting to have that sense of camaraderie. But then in terms of a one-to-many method, my newsletter has been a really huge endeavor for me, but just a joy to write. I just really enjoy the process. I used to send it every other week and now I send it every week and it's a little bit cathartic. It's a lot of, I have so much to share. I meet all these amazing people that I want to spread the word about, or I read this good news or this amazing uh, new tool just came out and I just want to spread the word. I think that directly aligns with my value of contribution. My newsletter is my way to create content that is personal and It's a way to spread the word and share things that I already want to be sharing in a really, really wide way. So relationship building and my newsletter have been my my two favorite ways. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like a lot of introverts are really great at relationship building. I think we kind of thrive in the one-on-one deep connection level. So it's easy to make those connections But I'd love to hear more about referral partners, just for anyone listening who's maybe wanting to create those referral partner relationships. Like, What would you say is the best way that you've found referral partners or connected with them? At first, as I was looking for people, it was in a lot of Slack groups. It was like just post Facebook group era. And I know people still get a lot of value from Facebook groups, but um, I was specifically looking in Slack groups and I would look out for keywords like social impact, like conscious business, like business for good, that sort of thing. People who already seemed values aligned and then who were in some sort of peripheral service offering to me, right? So if I'm doing brand messaging, if I'm doing messaging in general, whether that's copy or content or whatever, who else is going to support that type of offering? Well, if someone needs a brand messaging strategist, they also probably need someone to redo their website, someone to write their website copy, someone to manage their social media, someone to run their systems, someone to coach them through any mindset blocks, et cetera, et cetera, right? So everything that I think would serve my ideal audience, but is either something I'm not good at or I don't want to take on. And then it's just a matter of reaching out honestly and authentically. I actually don't use the word authentic very often, but just genuinely, right? Like the way you would want to receive a message. So just say, hey, I really love what it is that you're putting out into the world, what it is you're offering, your approach to XYZ, something that is 
genuinely true. Would you like to chat? And sometimes it's a total flop. (laughs) Sometimes it's just like not a good fit, you know, like just personality wise, or you find out that, oh, our audiences actually aren't super aligned or whatever else. Uh, And sometimes it is an instant friendship almost. And so then you can broach the topic of being a referral partner on that first call, or you can sort of follow each other on social media or via your newsletters or whatever else and have it come up a little bit more organically in the future. And you don't have to have an official referral program to have referral partners. This year is the first year I've officially set up a Dubsado workflow. Uh, I have a contract. I have swipe copy file, that sort of thing for people who want to refer me out, but you can absolutely just have casual relationships. And as long as they talk to the same types of people that you want to be working with, they could be a really great referral partner. That's awesome. Yeah. I think there's so many opportunities for building those kind of relationships. And like you said, like build them in a genuine way. And that's when you're going to get the most fruitful relationship. Like I know as introverts, sometimes we're scared to do that initial outreach or first (laughs) outreach. I think it could be also my human design. I'm a, I forget what the word is, but I'm somebody who waits for the first, Uh like I'm a responsive. (laughs) So I have to really push myself to make that first interaction. But I think like, it's important to just tell yourself, like, what's the worst that can happen if you reach out to somebody and it's not a good fit, or they ignore your message, or they don't respond. That's not a big deal. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, it's really not. And I do feel like, uh, so I, I mentioned Slack groups is how I was originally meeting people, right? But the more in tune you are with your values, with your audience, with your business model, just in general, the more in tune you are with your business, the easier it is to spot good referral partners from a mile away. So maybe somehow they'll come into your sphere of influence on Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever platform you're on. Or a lot of times at a certain level of business, you're in some sort of mastermind or group coaching program or have some sort of finer tuned network. And then that network becomes your sort of inner circle of referral partners. So I know we're both familiar with done in a day and the VIP day model. And a lot of my referral partners are people who have gone through the done in a day program because they understand my offerings, which are intensives. And they work with people who need that brand messaging as a starting point to be able to take on any of the other VIP day offers that exist in the world. So it's as you're just getting started, cast your net a little bit wider. But as you get more and more clear on who you are as a business owner, who you want to serve, it's that much clearer who you want to partner with too. I love that. Yeah. It's interesting. Like I think now when I look at joining a group program or a mastermind, like that's one of the intentional pieces I look at or think about is what are the possible connections that I can get out of this? It's just an added bonus. And I mean, people sometimes we'll look at those programs or masterminds and look at a big price tag. But really, if you make a couple of connections and you gain a lot of knowledge, like 
there's no better reward. Like even if you just gain the connections, there's definitely something to be said for being in community, whatever that looks like and feels like to you, whether you create it, whether you find it, whether it's somewhere in between, there's something to be said for it because business can be really lonely and being a solopreneur can be really overwhelming. So whatever it is that you need from relationships, whether it's just that business bestie to bounce ideas off of, or whether it is a mastermind that you come together every week and really support each other, whatever you need in whatever season of business you're in, it's important to seek that out. Completely. Yeah. Definitely as an introvert too, because I feel like sometimes, I mean, entrepreneurship, like you said, is lonely enough. (laughs) And then if you're an introvert, sometimes you just revert into your home office shell and don't push yourself to do Zoom chats or coffee chats or join these kind of networking live events. So, but they can be so rewarding. Yeah. And we can get stuck in our head, right? Like outside perspective is one of the most valuable things I've found as a business owner. I am absolutely an overthinker. I get so lost in my thoughts. And if my goal is to take confident, meaningful action and inspire others to take confident, meaningful action, I cannot do that if I'm always living in my head. So being able to say something out loud, whether that's with a business bestie, whether it's with a life partner, a coach, a consultant, whatever medium I need or you need, it's so important to get that outside perspective, to have things reflected back to you, to be validated or to poke holes at it with probing questions, like whatever it is, that outside perspective is essential to growing your business. Completely. Yeah. Especially if you don't have anyone in your personal offline life that really gets entrepreneurship in the online space, like my family, my husband, they look at me like I'm speaking another language when I talk about certain things. I mean, half the time we are, right? Like there's a whole vernacular that doesn't exist outside of online service providers and course creators, right? So yeah, I think the last when I said the word tripwire and my husband was like, what is a tripwire? You're tripping people? I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's a whole, it's a whole vocabulary for sure. So I know we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but I'd love for you to share a little bit more about like the type of clients that you typically work with. So I like to call them conscious and caring business owners. Often they're visionaries and they have a really clear picture of what they're working toward, the impact that they want to have in the world, what they're building, but they often struggle articulating it or they've had this immediate success or maybe not immediate. Uh, Sometimes it's been many years in the making, but they've had this initial success and they're a little bit stuck of how to take it to that next level, how to really articulate what their vision is, who it's for, and be able to step into that with full confidence and consistency And so that is the level at which I intervene most of the time. Often it is solopreneur service providers because I can really understand what they're going through as one myself. And then sometimes I love also working with social impact founders. So people with this huge pie in the sky mission, they want to change their entire industry through this big idea that they have. So it's really taking that big vision, 
And whether it's a solopreneur service provider who's in the online space or some sort of social impact founder, it's all about distilling what is in their head and heart and translating that into something that the people they want to reach, the people they want to partner with, with will understand and resonate with. So whoever I work with, they're always on a trajectory toward impact. That is awesome. And I feel like especially service providers really need that because I feel like that audience is really the ones that are trained. Like when you're starting a service-based business, you're focused and and getting told to do that I help statement. (laughs) So it can be hard to break away from that. And I know you do a VIP day and a half day intensive. Is that right? I do. Yes. So I have a full day. My sort of signature offer is a full day intensive. It's the messages that matter VIP day. And it is all about brand messaging strategy. It is a done with you experience in that it's everything again in your head and heart but I am the one that's actually creating the guide. I'm the one that is pulling out all of these golden nuggets. Often they are these seemingly unimportant rambles. Almost always the person on the call, my client will say, oh, I don't know if this is important. And that's almost always the most important part. So I love, love, love being able to pull those out. And so at the end of the day, after some live calls and some pre-work and me creating the guide all day long, they have this living, breathing document with their brand statement, which is sort of overarching who they are as a brand. They have a mission statement for their brand values and not only what the brand values are, but what they mean specifically to them and their brand, their brand voice. So how it is that they're going to sound and show up their target audience, and then these core messages that are really marketing speak that they can copy and paste and smush together and pull apart and are the jumping off point for all of their website copy, all of their content creation, any bios that they need to pull together, whatever it is that they're creating, they can pull directly from the core messages. I often have people after they do the VIP day intensive, they will then hire a copywriter to redo their entire website, or they'll hire a website designer to redo their entire website or whatever it is. Often even their systems, right? Like, okay, I want my systems to work for me and my brand and the experience that I want to create for my customers. Here, ops person, take this brand messaging guide and run with it. So I love that it has all of these uses all across their business. So that is the the bread and butter messages that matter VIP day, the one that really is essential to having a really, really firm foundation. And then I also have a half day intensive specifically around brand values. Um, Maybe their messaging is already on point. Maybe they're just not ready for a full strategy. Um, Maybe they just want to start with the values because they know that that's going to be the most impactful most immediately. But this is a done with you in that I am guiding the entire experience. I have a whole workbook around how to facilitate the workbook 
facilitates the conversation and has prompts and allows space for reflection. And then we parse out together those three to five core, core values that they want to be known for, that they want to live out. And we establish what they are. We define what they are. And then I have 12 different buckets of application areas where we can chat through, okay, how is this going to actively show up in your business? What are you already doing really, really well at? Okay, perfect. Just maintain that. And what do you really need to tweak, refine, completely revamp so that all of your brand values are felt in this area of your business? So that's the half day. Those are such powerful offers. And I love that they're done with you because I know for me, like sometimes it can be hard for me to actually articulate and, or because you're so close to your business or it's like, it's partially a personal brand. So maybe it's hard to pull that into words. So I love that, you know, like it's done with you. Like you're asking the really hard questions and taking what people actually say and turning that into their message because, I think sometimes if people are just left on their own to determine their brand message or their brand values, they're not able to pull the actual information out of themselves. Yes. And I absolutely struggle with that personally. (laughs) Like it is so much easier for me to do this for anyone else except for my brand, because you said it, right? We're just so close to it. That outside perspective is so, so essential. I also say that I bring empathetic accountability. So I'm definitely not that type of consultant that comes in and says like, you need to do this, or it should be this way, or why haven't you done this? Like, that's not my style by any means. So it's really just that accountability of you said, this is important to you. How can we make this work for you? You know, like, how can we really dig into why this matters for you and your vision and the people you want to serve? So I really, really love when that personal brand meets that professional brand and meshes together into this beautiful thing that founders and solopreneurs can get behind and consistently show up and share. That is a really, really special experience to be able to go through with business owners. And yeah, I love every second of it. That's awesome. Yeah, we will have those links in the show notes for everyone to check out Ashley's offers. And then also, I know you have a free download called the Stand Up to Stand Out Kit to get everyone started. So we'll have that link in the show notes as well for anyone to grab if you're struggling with your brand messaging and want to get started. That sounds like a super awesome workbook and checklist. So we will have all of that in the show notes. And then Ashley's social media. So you can connect with her over there. And yeah, I'm definitely going to sign up for the free download because I want to get on your email list too. Your email list sounds like a really fun weekly newsletter. So I'm going to sign up for that. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. The newsletter is one week. It is either some sort of reflection or rant. Um, And then the next week is all the resources. So I alternate so that I don't bore people too, too much. They were getting very, 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 very long. So that's why I split them up, but they're really, really fun to write. And I love that even though it's a one to many people can still hit reply and I can have one-on-one conversations. So it all comes full circle to that introversion and that human connection. That's awesome. Yeah. Those are the type of emails that I love to get or ones that are 
like actually quality, fun to read, have good resources. So yeah, I'm definitely getting on your email list and everyone else, if you want to get on Ashley's email list, we'll have that in the show notes for you. But thank you so much for joining me. This was a great conversation. I think, you know, brand messaging is so important, but especially for introverts, if you don't want to put your face out there, I feel like if you are really clear on your messaging and your brand values, it's going to be easier for you to put your brand out there instead of your face everywhere. Yep. It's about how you make people feel not about being the loudest or the the most active on social media for sure. Yes. Totally love that. Well, thank you so much. This is such a fun conversation. Thanks to you. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at theterrorread.com where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvertcoach, where I share more introvert-friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.